we're kicking off the year by looking at some of the encounters that people had with Jesus. And you can find all these encounters throughout the Gospels. We're looking at four. There's four Sundays in January. Each Sunday, we're going to look at one of these encounters. We have already looked at Nathaniel, one of Jesus' disciples. We looked at um, John chapter 1 to see that encounter. Um, last week, we looked at the madman or the demon-possessed man um, with, um, possessed by a ton of demons, um, thousands maybe even, and we looked at Mark chapter 5 to find that encounter, and um, that leads us up to this week, week number three of our series, Encounters with Jesus. Now, along with this series is a challenge. I'm challenging each of you to read through one of the Gospels throughout the month of January, and um, hopefully some of you are doing that, hopefully all of you are doing that, but if you haven't, there's still time. I mean, what is today the 20th? So you got 11 more days. You can, you can knock one of them out in 11 days for sure. I believe in you. I believe that you can do this. Now, some of you may have not have um, read through a whole book of the Bible. Maybe you haven't read much of the Bible at all. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, just pick one up and start reading. And through this, I hope that you have an encounter with Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe um, just a fresh encounter um, again. Um, Today's encounter is a little different than the other ones I've been talking about. Um, This encounter is not with an ordinary person. It's not with a a man on the street or a woman on the street. Um, This this encounter um, doesn't have a, a miracle in it, really. It doesn't have Um, teaching or refuting uh, or debate or or anything like that. Um, But this encounter will help us be prepared and we, everyone will definitely put it into use. It's a very practical application, one that we all will use over and over again in our lives. Um, Our encounter today is one of the greatest, if not the greatest showdown in history. It plays out in the wilderness of Palestine. There is no audience. There's no pay-per-view. It's just two men out in the wilderness, mano a mano. Now, to get us going this morning, I thought it'd be fun to think of some of the greatest showdowns of our time. And so I thought of movies and sports and different things. In movies, I thought of Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed. What a great showdown that was in the boxing ring. Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and the Empire Strikes Back. Um, Godzilla versus King Kong. You know, what a great showdown. Two huge monsters um, battling it out. And then pretty much any Marvel movie in the last five years. Is, uh, there's always some sort of, of, of showdown. Um, and then thinking of sports, there, and there's two aspects to this. There's the individual athletes who uh, go at um, each other and have battles and rivalries. And then there's team sports that have rivalries. But individuals, and this is one of my favorites of all time. And some people wouldn't call this a sport. But when I was a kid, WrestleMania three. And Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, man, that's one of my favorites of all time. And Hulk Hogan body slammed Andre the Giant. No one thought he could do it. Um, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, they just got done doing that challenge, that multi-million dollar showdown in Vegas. Um, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa in a home run 
you know, Chase in the late 90s, Muhammad Ali and George Foreman, the rumble in the jungle, right? Now, that was before my time, but <laughs> some of you remember it. Um, then thinking of the team aspect, you got the, the Red Sox and Yankees, um, the Cubs and Cardinals. Um, another one from when I was a kid that I just watched the ESPN 30 for 30 on this, the Celtics and Lakers, Ohio State and Michigan. Now, of course, these are just a few of the many examples we could come up with um, out there. But, but these don't compare to the showdown we're looking at today. And many of the examples I just shared, the, the rivalry, the, the winning and losing goes back and forth between team and team or athlete and athlete or person and person. And our showdown today, there's a definite winner. And he's always the winner. It doesn't go back and forth. Um, we find the account of this showdown in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. So let's read our text today. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him and angels came and attended to him. Jesus has this showdown, this encounter with the devil. And like I said, this encounter is different than the others we were looking at. This one is not Jesus healing someone. It's not him showing that he is the Messiah. It isn't him teaching anyone. It's an encounter where the devil shows up to fight. He's thinking, now is my chance. Jesus is put to the test. And he's tempted. It's an encounter which Jesus is prepared for, an encounter where he will prevail. Jesus finds himself all alone in the wilderness. All alone. And just before this, John the Baptist had baptized him in the Jordan River. Um, You can read about this at the end of Matthew chapter 3. Jesus um, shows up along the Jordan River where John is baptizing, and, and he goes up to John and says, John, you need to baptize me. And John's like, wait a second. I, don't, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. And Jesus goes, no, you need to do this. This is what the Father wants. And then John baptizes him, and, and then something happens that has never happened before at a baptism. John has baptized hundreds, if not thousands of people, and this has never happened before. When Jesus came out of the water, the sky opened up, and the Spirit descended on him. And then there was this voice. This is my son. I love him. I am pleased with him. And then that same spirit that came out of the sky led Jesus 
to the wilderness. I wonder how much Jesus knows about what's going on. As he finds himself standing all alone in the wilderness after this baptism, I wonder if he knows what is about to happen. Now, I think he does. And this is my opinion. But I think that Jesus kind of knows that he's going to be tested. He just um, has been identified as Messiah. He's been baptized to, to follow through on what God wants. He's launching his ministry. He's going to begin spreading, um, healing people and teaching them and spreading the good, the good news. And I know that, that he knows Satan is coming. I think he kind of has an idea. He might not know the details. He might not know what it'll look like. But I think, I think he has an idea. He finds himself in the wilderness. Now, the wilderness is not a friendly place. When we think of a wilderness, we might think of like a densely wooded area. Like when I think of the wilderness, I think of like the Midwest where I grew up and and walking through the woods, mushroom hunting in the springtime. And like just all these trees, this canopy. Maybe you think of a state park or or a national park like Ocala National Forest. And um, that's not the type of wilderness that we're talking about. This wilderness is dry. It's rocky. It's more like a desert. We don't know the exact location of this place, but um, Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights there. If you ever make it to Israel to see all the sights and everything, you will be led to a mountain that's called the Mountain of Temptation, where tourists are taken to say this was the spot that Jesus was tempted. We don't know if that's the spot or not, but that's where they take tourists. So um, we don't know where this happened, but we know it's not a friendly place. It's not comfortable. It would be, however, where Jesus would face one of the biggest tests of his life. And the timing of this all needs to be brought, brought out too. Jesus just went from this monumental moment of being baptized, of launching his ministry, to being all alone in the wilderness, being tested and tempted by the devil. This isn't uncommon at all. In fact, many of us have that same experience. You see, when, when we have this monumental moment, this monumental experience of accepting Jesus, of, of kind of beginning our journey of following him, Satan isn't happy. And it's soon after that moment we find ourselves with maybe one of the biggest tests of our life. I even tell people when I talk to them about accepting Jesus and following him, when we're sitting in my office, I say, you know, Satan's not going to like this. And chances are you're going to find that you're going to be attacked shortly after you make this decision. And I pray for them, and I pray God's protection for them. And, and some of you have sat in my office, and you've heard me say these things, and you've heard me pray that prayer for you. It's because this is common. After we have that monumental moment, we find ourselves maybe all alone in the wilderness, being tempted by the, by the devil. Satan loves to attack right after we have those moments, those breakthroughs. And Jesus just had a moment like this, and, and now he finds himself all alone in this place. And so he decides to fast. Now, he might be fasting for a couple different reasons. One, 
He's in the desert. There's probably not much options to eat anyway. <laughs> so it's, it's, might as well fast. But I think he's fasting to prepare for this showdown. He's fasting because he knows that Satan is out there somewhere and eventually he will be there to tempt him. But he's also fasting to stay close to the Father. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he sees the devil standing there with a little smirk on his face. And the devil begins in. I'm sure there were no pleasantries at the beginning of this. I'm sure they didn't welcome each other. <laughs> Say, how you doing? No. It gets right to it. The devil is on a mission. He wants to knock Jesus off course. And, and Jesus, you see, Jesus was the Messiah. And the devil knew that. The devil thought he could tempt Jesus to take an easy way to showing he's the Messiah. Maybe without all the heartache and trouble, without all the suffering, without the way of the cross. You see, the devil knew that, that crowds would follow a Messiah who could miraculously provide for them. He knew the crowds would follow a Messiah who would prove to themselves that they were God's chosen one by putting themselves at risk and forcing God to save them. He knew that people would follow a Messiah. He knew that Jesus would one day be King of kings and Lord of lords. But maybe he would just take the easy way. The devil was wrong. Jesus restrained himself from falling into these traps, and, and Jesus knew that God's way was the only way. So when it was all over, angels came and ministered to Jesus and attended to his needs, made sure he ate. And so here we have this encounter, this showdown, and this is what I want to get to today. This is what is going to be so practical for us when we find ourselves face-to-face -face with the devil you see, he wants to have a showdown with us. He wants to destroy us. The apostles warned the early church this, and the warning's still there today. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And so we need to stay alert. We need to be prepared. And I think we can be prepared for our showdown with the devil by looking at Jesus' showdown with the devil. You see, the devil's clever. He's articulate. He even knows scripture. And so we need to be prepared because there will be a day when we stand face to face with the devil. So one way to be prepared is by knowing the devil's schemes. The devil, he has these schemes and he uses them over and over again. And we see them in our text today. The, the schemes the devil used on Jesus are the same schemes he will use on us. And the first is this. He will, try, he will take advantage of our weakness. He's waiting for us to be at our weakest point. And the devil knows just how hungry Jesus is. He's been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. It appears the devil shows up on day 40. We don't know that for sure, but the text kind of indicates that. I mean, why would he show up on day one or two or maybe even three or four the first week? Jesus wouldn't be at his most hungry state. He would wait until he was the weakest. He's going to wait. He's probably just standing there watching, waiting. And he'll do the same to us. Looking back at my life, I know my biggest failures, my biggest sins when I have given into temptation has happened when I've been the weakest. It's happened when I've been tired and exhausted and worn down. 
when I haven't been connected to the Father. And we even, we even see it from that verse in First Peter. A lion, when you think of how a lion hunts, they don't go after the strongest of the herd. They go after the weakest. And the devil's same way. He will take advantage of our weakness. The second scheme he uses, he will use things that sound familiar. In this case, he even used scripture with Jesus. Jesus begins to refute his tempta- this temptation with, with um, Bible verses, with scripture, and Satan goes, well, I can play that game. The Bible says this. He uses things that sound familiar to try to trip us up. And if we're weak, we just might fall for it. The third scheme the devil uses, he'll make promises he cannot keep. The devil is good at this. He does have some power here on earth, although he is limited. He promises to Jesus that he would give them all the kingdoms of the world. He can't follow through with that promise. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Satan is a liar. (laughs) Now... You all already knew that, didn't you? He will lie to you. He will make stuff up. He will make promises that he cannot follow through with. These are the schemes of the devil. We see this in the garden too. These three schemes. He waits until Eve is is at her weakest moment before he approaches her and tempts her to eat the fruit. Maybe he's watched Eve look at that tree before and he knows that when she's weak. He, he um, uses things that sound familiar. He talks to her about all the other fruit in the garden. and Oh, you surely can have that too. And he makes promises he can't keep. He's like, oh, you surely won't die. He uses these schemes over and over and over again, and he will use them on us. And so we need to be prepared. Know the devil's schemes. Another way we can be prepared for... Um, Our showdown with the devil is by looking at Jesus' response. The tactics that Jesus used to overcome temptation are the same tactics that will help us. The first tactic is this. He was spiritually ready for the battle. He may have been physically weak, but he was spiritually strong. He fasted and he prayed. I'm sure he, he spent time with the Father in the wilderness. I believe Jesus knew on some level that he would be tested, and so he was ready when Satan came. He, he didn't take this lightly. Jesus employed the means necessary to be ready for these attacks, and we can do the same. One reason I believe people fall for the devil's schemes is simply because they're not ready. They're not prepared. And I know we can get busy in life and we can let our guard down and, and then we get tired and we get exhausted and we become the weak, weakest of the herd. And uh, I, I get all that. We need to stay ready for Satan because he's going to show up one day. Jesus was ready. The second tactic he used, he relied on scripture. And most of us are really bad at this. We don't know scripture well enough to use it to our advantage. It's, it's kind of a sickness in the church today. People not knowing the Bible and not knowing what Scripture says or not knowing how to use it. And you might be saying, well, I can't memorize Scripture. I can't even go to the store and pick up a couple of things without forgetting something. And I, I know that. If I go to Publix and it's more than three items, I have to write it down. It's just the way it is. 
But the truth is you can know the Bible. You can memorize scripture. I don't know if any of you saw on TV not long ago, Garth Brooks performed a concert at Notre Dame. And I haven't listened to Garth Brooks in over 20 years. But I watched that concert, and you know what happened? I sang along to almost every song that he sang. Some of those songs I haven't heard since high school. But they're up there. I didn't know they were, but they are. The reason they're up there is because I listened to Garth Brooks' No Fences album for almost two years straight in high school. That's the only album I listened to. There's some good songs on that album. The point is, though, if you spend time in the Bible, it will stick. And when you find yourself face-to-face with the devil, you'll be surprised at what comes out. I was surprised I still knew those songs, but they're in there. Psalms 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The third tactic that Jesus used is he resisted the devil. He verbally told the devil to leave. I don't know if any of you have ever done this before, but maybe we need to start trying it. Away from me, Satan. Leave me alone. Verbally, say it out loud. And the devil left. Try that sometime. When you're being tempted and you are really struggling, just tell him to hit the road. Get away from me. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't mean he won't come back. Uh, He came back to Jesus and tempted him more times. He'll do the same for us. But he will leave in that moment. And oh, what a good feeling that is when you overcome that temptation. If you're struggling with temptations today, I encourage you to begin using these tactics to stand your ground. Fast, pray, memorize the Bible, resist the devil, tell him to leave, put up a fight. You see, when we give in to those temptations, we feel guilty and we feel the shame and we're hard on ourselves and we can't believe we did it again. But we don't have to feel that way because we can stand against the devil. It works, it really does. This encounter, it teaches us so much about the devil and Jesus and Like I said, it's probably the most practical encounter we're going to look at because we will use this stuff over and over and over in our lives. I want to close with a couple more scriptures that might be helpful to you in your showdown with the devil. The first is Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. It shows how Jesus understands what we are going through because he went through it too. It's just what we looked at. He's been face-to-face with the devil, and he knows what it's like to overcome. And because of this, he will help us overcome too. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He understands what we're going through. We follow a Lord who's been there. And he offers help. 
We can boldly approach him because he knows what it's like. The last scripture I want to share with you is 1 Corinthians 10.13. And I want to share this with you because it's personal. It's probably been the most help to me in my own struggle, in my own battles with the devil, and my own temptations. 1 Corinthians 10.13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. There's two reasons why this verse helped me. The first is I realized I was not all alone. You see, when you're struggling with something that you're shameful of, you feel like you're the only one who's dealing with that. And this verse says, no, your temptation's common to man. You're not alone in this. Many times we feel isolated and like no one would understand what I'm going through, but this verse shows us, no, that's not the case. The second thing here that really has helped me is God is there showing me a way out. He will show us a way out. And so when I was trying to overcome temptations, I began looking for a way out looking for what God was provided. And it's amazing how this works. It's almost shocking. But for me, God's way out has shown up by a phone call, by a text message. I'm struggling. I'm being tempted. I'm fighting this off. And all of a sudden, my phone will buzz, and it's a text message from a friend. And I'll end up getting a text message and conversation, and I'm away from it. Or a phone call. It's shown up by seeing images of a cross. I I remember flipping through the channels and struggling and my mind was going places it shouldn't go and all of a sudden just an image of a cross appears on the TV and it's like, oh yeah, there's my way out. It's amazing how this works. And I, I mean, it's not all like hokey pokey and like weird, like, but God provides ways out. We just need to be alert enough to notice it when it happens. The devil is out there prowling around like a lion, wanting to destroy you. Be prepared. Be prepared by knowing the devil's schemes. Be prepared by knowing the tactics that work. And the next time you're face to face with the devil, tell him to leave you alone. It's that simple. Let's stand. Father, we face temptations every day. Some are easy to overcome. Some are most difficult. But Father, thank you for providing way out. Thank you for establishing ways for us to resist and to restrain ourselves from giving in. Father, help us put these things into practice. Not to simply live a morally good life, Lord, but but to honor you. That's why we want to overcome these things, to honor you. So, Father, we thank you for being a a Lord, a King, a God who understands what we're going through. Thank you for coming to this earth and living among us so that you will understand what it's like. Father, thank you for helping us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.